Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Welcome in. I am James the Brain, joined by one of my esteemed co-hosts, Ethan the Doctor Turter. Ethan, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just I'm trying to stay healthy right now. I'm just trying to stay healthy. That's all any of us can do at this point in time, right? I mean, that's basically the goal. So we are we have an esteemed guest, a guest that you know very well, Ethan, and that is David Wilsey. David. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm not going to give away while you, why you're here just yet, but I do want you to let everyone know where they can find you uh, on Twitter, where they can find your information and your content. Yeah, no, it's good to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. Um, everybody can find me on Twitter at uh, Wilsonator, W-I-L-L-S-O-N-8-T-O-R, or uh, over, I write for DLF, uh, which uh, you guys are very familiar with. And... Um, yeah, just here to think we're going to chat some running backs or something today, yeah? Yeah, I think running backs is going to be the key theme. And normally, you know, on a Superflex podcast, we gear towards quarterbacks. Not today. We don't got John Hogue, the running back hater. Well, he proclaims himself as a running back hater. But I think he's coming around. Either way, we are going to talk running backs, gentlemen. And we're going to start with free agent running backs. We'd be remiss if we didn't. Because let's, let's be clear here, we're recording on Thursday night. Thursday night, uh, March 19th, 2020, on Thursday night. And we had some breaking news today. Todd Gurley gets cut, gets released. His outright release um, from, the, uh, from the Rams. And so, uh, so another running back hits the free agent market. Um, it sounds like it was a 10.25 dead cap hit, um, but they would have owed him a, a lot more money if they had kept him in a roster bonus. So um, the dead I, it, cap, the dead cap hits actually much larger. I think that dead cap's like 21 million, but they owed him 10 um, as right. of today. That's right. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're right. The the dead cap was was higher, but the uh, yeah the ten point two five was what yeah was what they owed him as of today, right? And uh, and it would have been more had had he st- survived. Uh, I believe the, the the deadline was today at four o'clock Eastern, I believe. But either way, uh, there there was a deadline. He didn't make it. He got cut uh, outright, released. So Todd Gurley's now a free agent, guys. And I want to start with Todd Gurley. What do you guys expect from him moving forward? What what do you what do we see in in Todd Gurley, and um, and where do you think Ethan? Uh, when we get to you, where do you think would be a good fit for him? So David, we'll start with you. Um, 
what do you think about Todd Gurley, his performance, and 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 kind of the the player moving forward? Uh, I mean, we obviously know that there's that. I mean, the injury risk is is apparent. Um, it's it's cropped up many times. So there is going to be that that's going to make teams, you know, have a little pause about him. But I mean, the guy is just 25 years old. So even though he uh, he does have some bad legs. There's there's still some years left in him if he can be you know the workload can be managed in the right situation, and uh, you know he's he's definitely not going to be that 20 plus touch a a week every single week guy. But we saw that as the year ramped up last year, they did start pumping up his volume more, uh, despite having you know Henderson and Malcolm Brown both on the team and healthy um, for much of the year. So uh, we saw him perform well in that situation. And, you know, the skill set is still there. It's just, is somebody going to pay him what he wants? And are teams willing to, you know, are they going to be able to compromise with what the the risk they're going to be taking with that injury because he's not old again? Uh, he still has a few years left before he hits that, you know, that dreaded running back wall. Mm-hmm. But um, are our teams going to be willing to give him enough uh, for, you know, to to basically cover their cover their butts on the risk they're going to be taking with the injuries uh, while still keeping him happy? So that's that's what's kind of going to be uh, tough moving forward for him finding a, the right situation. And he's definitely, you know, he's not old, but he's, he's also, you know, not young as far as the mileage on those legs. He's not going to want to go to a, a bad situation just because they throw a lot more money on him. I don't think, you know, he's, he's, he's been winning the last few years. He's gotten used to that. So he's probably going to want to go to a situation where he can win. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah. maybe Ethan can uh, elaborate a little more on something about that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. And, and uh, you know, like you said, I think managing his workload is going to be crucial wherever he lands. Um, and load management, that's that's something that uh, a guy that you and I, David, uh, Michael Thomas, is, is all about load management right now. So, um, so yeah, just saying those key words uh, just, just endears me even more to you because you and I are the Michael Thomas truthers. We're the OGs on Michael Thomas. So um, I like to, to pump that up on any any uh, any chance that I get that you and I were kind of ahead of the curve, having no. Michael Thomas ranked as our wide receiver one last year. So uh, moving on. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, moving on, Ethan. Uh, where's a good fit? Where, where do you see Todd Gurley um, potentially, uh, you know, a dream landing spot for him? And, and that the landing spot that you have for him, why? Why do you think that that, uh, that would be a good spot for him? Well, I agree with David. I think that with the season extending as well, um, Todd Gurley is going to be looking at a place that he can go where his load, we can call it load management. We can call it a a committee approach. I mean, I still think Todd Gurley is a a very good running back, Um, but I, I do think that what we saw in LA was that they used him. They ran the they ran the tires off of him essentially, and so he's going to be looking for a place where he's not going to have to manage as huge of a load to keep him fresher, to keep him obviously playing further along into the year. 
Um, I also think that at this point he's, he's, you know, he's made, he, he got his big second contract. And so I don't think anyone is going to give him a massive, you know, multi-year deal. He's going to look for one, but I don't know if he's going to get one. Um, I just don't with the, with the class that's coming in, which we'll talk about. I just don't feel like any of these running backs that we're expecting to make big money, um, are going to get anything near that until after the draft if they do at all which i don't think they will because we've seen it with todd Gurley, we've seen it with david johnson um a little bit less because apparently the cardinals are savants at getting rid of bad contracts but when you give a guy a huge contract at running back you're almost always looking to move that contract later and so more and more teams are going you know what we don't need to give these guys these big deals um but for Gurley, I think best case scenario, if he wants to win, he wants to manage his load, um, manage his load. That doesn't really sound that great. Um, I, I was trying to be an adult about this, but uh, I wasn't. Then you had to go and say that. <laughs> if he if he wants to do manage his workload, let's put it that way. Uh, I think Kansas City makes a lot of sense for him. Um, I don't know what their cap situation is like. I don't know what they're willing to spend on a running back. I don't even know if they have any interest in Todd Gurley, but they do have a, a situation in place where they, you know, they have a guy like Damian Williams who could basically split carries pretty evenly uh, with a Todd Gurley. And they're a competing team. It's a good offense. So I think it would be best case scenario for fantasy, especially because that, that team scores a lot of touchdowns. And that was one of the things that we saw, especially, you know, early in the Super Bowl, uh, they would get within five yards and then they just didn't have a guy that could just punch through and punch, you know, a three or four yard touchdown. in. I think they got stopped on the goal line like four or five times in that Super Bowl. Obviously that didn't end up stopping them from winning, but I do think that that's a part of their offense that a guy like Todd Gurley, who, has a, a propensity for scoring touchdowns um he could make some serious hay in kansas city even if it's on just a one or a two-year deal that's pretty team friendly you know he gets everything he wants out of it they get a, another star player to add to that offense um i think this would kind of make a lot of sense for both sides if of course the money makes sense yeah i love it i think this is a great fit i think you explained why a one-year deal a prove-it deal todd Gurley's probably going to have to take a deal like that um, and it sounds like, you know, a, a place in Kansas City would be beneficial for him. He'll get every opportunity to play on a good team and score a bunch of touchdowns. And Kansas City could use a back with his talent. So let's move along, guys. Melvin Gordon. Uh, David, tell me about Melvin Gordon. Tell me a little bit about this player. Um, we're going to go pretty quick here because we got some rookies that we really want to get to. But let's go with Melvin Gordon here. And, uh, and David, tell me a little bit about this player and kind of what you think of him. Uh, with with uh, MG3, it's kind of kind of a similar situation, you know. Very productive back, very very versatile back, you know, uh, and a very effective score. I mean, you know, just kind of like a, a, I guess you can say Todd Gurley light, but that almost be disrespectful to to Gordon to say that because he's very good in his own right, despite his, uh, you know, the people who used to say the lack of efficiency and everything. Well, I mean, watch, watch, watch him play. Cause he was, he was getting everything he could in that scenario or in those situations. So um, again, you have a player who highly effective, versatile, going to want a lot of money and has that injury risk, you know, flag flying behind him. And that's, it's going to be another situation where it, you know, how much is he willing 
to take less than he wants and how much risk is a, a team willing to take on him. So it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with his talent. Again, same thing as Gurley. The skill set's still there. He's not an old running back, but it's going to be another another one of those scenarios where is he going to be willing to take um, the discount teams are going to be offering for the risk that they're going to be taking on him. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's going to be interesting to see where he hands up going. It, it definitely is exciting for Austin Eckler, you know, as far as his fantasy outlook, but we still have to kind of wait and see what happens with their quarterback situation as far as uh, I think they're wanting to take somebody in the draft, which, you know, that could just help Eckler even more having a, a young quarterback who's uh, quick to check down. So, but um, Gordon, you know, he's, he's going to have to take a little bit less, but whoever ends up landing him, you know, despite the, the contract that ends from it, they're going to get, if, if they can, again, manage the workload similar to Gurley and, you know, not just, you know, run the, run the tread off the tires. Like you said, Ethan, they'll have an effective player for a few more years or, you know, a one-year contract if he's in the similar situations. Yeah. So. I, I like that. I think the, the main thing you brought up, he's very versatile. He can help you in the passing game. He's, he's okay at picking up the blitz. Um, and, and, you know, he's a good in-between-the-tackles runner. I, I, I like the versatility he brings. So, uh, Ethan, tell me, that type of versatility, where do you think he uh, would, would benefit the most? Or what's a landing spot that you could see for Melvin Gordon, a realistic one? Yeah, I think Gordon's in a similar situation, obviously, with Todd Gurley, um, like you guys said. Uh, I think the the one that makes the most sense, at least in my head, would be Tampa Bay. Clearly, they're making how, a run. Wait, how dare you? How dare you think that they need a running back when they have Ronald Jones? I won't stand for it. So <laughs> Ronald, Ronald, for Jones can't, Ronald Jones cannot beat out the other running backs on his team. Okay, I'll give you that Melvin Gordon would be an upgrade because hold he up, is great. Hold up. But, if if Peyton Barber can take touches from Ronald Jones, he isn't good. Okay, I, let's just be no, straight I, no, here. Come on now. And Daria Gumbawale, he's taken receiving work from Jones. Here's the thing, like, I'm okay if you like Jones. I'm not gonna bash you for liking a dude, but let's just look at the evidence, okay? If Peyton Barber and Dare Agumunbawale can take the work from Ronald Jones. You don't think that Melvin Gordon is a significant upgrade. He's an upgrade over all three of those dudes put together. Okay. So let me get to my point and why I think Tampa (laughs) makes the most sense. James Uh, Tampa makes the most sense because they're clearly making, they're making a run here. They've got a short window. They chose, um, well, they, they, at least they think they're making a run, I guess Uh, they chose Tom Brady um, he's going to come in. You got two years, I would say max with Brady. You know, you got a good offense around them. He needs a running back that can take the load off of him. And that is what Melvin Gordon can come in and do. You can pay him a little bit more for two, you know, a two year deal. You can give him a little bit more money, um, knowing that you have this window and he's probably looking for a little bit more money. Obviously he was holding out for more money. So he wants some cash. You pay him a little bit of money, uh, more than what he's going to get at another team. You run the crap out of him. And you let 
him be the uh, the guy that takes some of the, the the punishment off of Tom Brady, like he had in New England, and and you run with Melvin Gordon, and you have Ronald Jones as a perfectly fine backup running back. You yes. know, maybe he comes in as a you know a third down back for relief every once in a while. And, you know, you use those two guys in tandem and then you got Peyton Barber, who's clearly better than Ronald Jones. Uh, and you can use him as a third running back. And then poor Dare Agawumbawale, uh, he he's probably left out in the cold in this situation. But those guys need water during the game. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so oh, poor, poor guy. You know, he's doing his best. OK, shout out to Dare. Um, but, yeah, I think Tampa makes a lot of sense here. Yeah, it, it does. And and. Uh, for clarity's sake, Peyton Barber is a free agent, so he probably won't be back if this were to happen. Um, and, you know, I think Melvin Gordon would be a fantastic backup to Ronald. No, I'm just kidding. I can't even say that with a straight face. Um, no, I, I think it even, yeah, before we um, move on, and just to Ethan's point about saying, you know, Rojo could could uh, provide, you know, some third down work. It, it might even be beneficial to them to just give him some in the tw- in between the twenties work, and let Melvin have that receiving work because that's going to be you know less less uh, less wear and tear on his body per you know per per touch. He's not going to be running inside the tackles nearly as much, and just kind of give him you know split their their rushing touches, but give Melvin the majority of that third down work, and he, he's very effective on that role. So he's a, yeah, he's a much better receiver than Jones is, but um, but I do I think Ethan's right. I think in this scenario, if you can get Melvin Gordon, you do it, and you know regardless of how I feel about Rojo, he would be the clear backup. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Melvin Gordon, in my opinion, is a very underrated running back. I think he's even better than most people think. So, um, let, guys, let's move on, and we're going to go quick here uh, because we're running a little over time already. But Devontae Freeman, um, you know, an aging veteran, a guy who gets cut from Atlanta, he's had injury risk, concussions, multiple concussions. So we know the injury risk is there. But, David, tell me a little bit about the player, and then, Ethan, tell me about a landing spot for him. Yeah, you, you kind of picked three three similar guys you know vets that have shown to be very effective um, versatile you know uh, but injury risk and you know freeman he's he's 28 now so he he's at that uh at that threshold despite just you know having one more year in the league than than Gurley, i believe you know he's three years older so he's he's definitely starting to show he's a lot smaller um, you know, he's and the way he plays doesn't uh, exactly it's not exactly beneficial to his size, um, the amount of pounding he takes because he's you know, he's not one to shy away from contact. He, he tries with everything he has. So um, it's another situation that very similar to the other two where, you know, is he going to take what teams are willing to give? Um Still can be very good, you know. He he wasn't great last year running the ball, but he he kind of showed that he can excel in the passing game. Um, it's not like they, you know, he wasn't running behind a great situation in that offensive line. Uh, so it's it's not uh, it's not exactly um, doesn't exactly like represent uh, the player he he can be. But again, it's another another player that's got risk, and he's going to have to be willing to take the type of deal the teams are going to offer if he wants to go to a contender. Especially, you know, I mean, he might get a little more for again for a 
a bad team, but um, does he at 28? Does he want to go lose? Probably not. So yeah, David, I I, I got to say I agree with everything you just said, but the one thing I I've got to say. Man, your voice is just so silky smooth, man. Like I could, I could sit here and listen to you read a phone book as long <laughs> as you're gonna do it with that voice, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's a, it's a thing of beauty. So I, I you know, if I, if I pause a little bit longer, uh, when responding to you, it's because I'm, I'm just enjoying that, uh, that, that silky smooth voice. It's, it's that, soothing me, you know. So that's, um, that's funny because I can't stand to listen to myself. I, I have literally never listen to a podcast that I've done except to edit them. That's the only reason I, I cannot stand oh, it. Wow. Well, <laughs> that is funny because we're going to throw it to the, uh, uh, someone who's very narcissistic, who knows he better than everyone. Um, and that is Ethan. Um, you can hear it in his voice. Trust me. He speaks <laughs> down when he talks to me for sure. But, um, Ethan, what, uh, what, what, uh, what team do you see as a fit for Devonta Freeman possibly? James, I just want to know why you've never talked about how smooth and silky my voice is. Um, because you know, normally I, it, it I has... I can talk very smooth. Oh, you can. You can. But sensually. Your voice, your voice normally is, is in my nightmares ever since that one time. Yes. When you, when yes. You, when you cornered me and you're just like... <laughs> David, yeah. it is the theme of the Superflex show for me to absolutely eviscerate james on all injury uh, or other takes um yeah yeah there was that the the one show that i will not speak of that uh, that still gives uh, me james nightmares. james is still crying he oh, he, is, he has i'm, sure, I'm sure i heard it because i i listen to you guys all the time so i, I, uh, sure I heard it <laughs> i am prone to give a verbal beat down if i need to um oh, devonta freeman devonta freeman this this one was actually the easiest one for me because i think this makes a lot of sense um, I like him going to the Titans and I think that he's going to be, a, I think this is probably the cheapest contract definitely of these three and the Titans just got rid of Dion Lewis. They brought back Derrick Henry. And so I, I can see them bringing a guy like Devonta Freeman in to be that guy behind Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry were to go down, you got a guy that has shown that he can take a larger workload if he needs to, but you're really just looking for a guy that's not going to completely kill your offense when he's coming in. And so obviously you want Derrick Henry in as much as possible, um, but you're looking at a guy like Devontae Freeman who's, whose best contribution on the field at this point is his pass catching. We know that despite Derrick Henry being an elite runner, uh, his pass catching isn't always um, utilized to the most efficient. Now, we can blame coaching. We can we can we can blame. You know, we can say he needs more touches out of the backfield. Um, you know that he needs to be getting the ball more in the passing game. All we want, but the fact is, is that they they've they've had him, they've had him being Derrick Henry for this long, and they haven't. Nobody has really used him uh, at a in a major way in the passing game, and so. Clearly, we just have to accept that that's just not what he's going to have. And so I think Devontae Freeman makes a lot of sense in Tennessee. Uh, he fills the need in their running back room. He's, a, he's a, again, a veteran presence. Um, this team is another team that thinks that they're, you know, basically contending. And so, you know, I think that this, this signing and skill set makes a lot of sense for Tennessee. I like it. I like this a lot. The Tennessee Titans are built built around the running game for the most part. The passing game kind of complements the running game, which we don't see a lot in the NFL these these days. 
And Devonta Freeman's the type of guy that if he if he has to come in for a series, if he has to come in even for a game or two, he can fill in admirably. You're not going to lose a whole lot there. Um, I do think Derrick Henry is obviously a better back than Freeman, but but you need to have somebody who's capable just in case that does happen if if uh, Henry does go down. So I I like it. I think that is a very nice fit, Ethan. So, uh, gentlemen, good job covering the uh, the free agent running backs. I think uh, I think we covered those pretty well. You guys did a fantastic job of explaining everything when it comes to those guys. So let's move on to the rookies. But before we do, David, I want you to tell us a little bit about something that you had in the works that you have been working on behind the scenes here. You have a a running back model that you have been really, really working on hard. We got to see it um, today, Ethan and I, and it is chocked full of information. I want you to do do our listeners a favor. Take some time. Tell us... um, you know, tell us a little bit about the model. Tell us what the model is, um, how to, uh, you know, what what it what it's going to tell you um, about these rookie running backs um, if you're using it correctly, and uh, and just just a basic overview of what it is. Yeah. So for um, yeah, like for a while, about nine months from basically start to finish, it started as started as uh me spinning my wheels for a while and uh, then in the last like three months it all started to really come together but uh, i made a it's called the running back prospect comparison model and soon there will be a tool built for it but that's uh that's kind of on the back burner at the moment with everything that's going on but uh yeah it's it's designed to compare uh previous years running back prospects all you there's uh from 2005 to 2019 um all drafted running backs uh that you can look through they i have the model set up into pages and it has a prospect profile their athletic profile their experience which is their years in college and everything all that kind of data their volume their production, their total performance, uh, the risk and reward evaluation, their draft profile, which includes uh, projected draft capital based on some of the metrics in the model, uh, their NFL profile, which is all of their real NFL production, their fantasy football profile, which has uh, consistency ratings and everything in that. And then, uh, you know, you can look at the success rates uh, on each of the players and their overall ranks uh for each of the uh the unique metrics um that were i uh designed when i was building this and you know just a few of those uh, there's one uh volume based wear and tear that you know a lot of people think that you just look at the amount of games a player played and how many overall touches they have and uh you'll get a kind of an idea of how much wear and tears on their body but i i found that uh what's more predictive is is looking into their game by game usage the amount of volume that they received and you know the uh their receiving work um on a per game basis it all kind of came in a lot more sticky when projecting projecting um their their percentage of games played and everything like that uh as far as you know their wear and tear it focuses more on their game by game usage as, as i said so a, a player that sees 30 30 plus touches in one game 
is going to see a lot more wear and tear or, you know, be susceptible to a lot more wear and tear on his body than a player that sees 30 touches over the span of two games. He's got a lot less time to heal in between those touches, um, a lot more wear and tear in a smaller window. And then he's not, unless he gets injured, which will also be reflected in the model, and he's not going to go touchless the, the following week. So his two-game total is going to end up being much larger than that first player anyways. But it's it's just more about that kind of thing than the total. Um, it's Then there's the production profile, which has the distance traveled, which people can just look at the total yardage. But what the, what the distance traveled adjustment does is it kind of weeds out inefficient running backs and um, – in between the tackles grinders or you know compilers so it focuses it puts a premium on rushing efficiency because rushing efficiency is you know the the average rushing attempt goes for about half as many yards as the average uh reception so obviously harder to get they the premium goes on to the rushing efficiency but then you flip it around and when you look at total total yards the premium goes on to receiving because versatility is what is favored among running backs in this day and age and that's what the model kind of does is it it focuses on versatility like the modern day running back that nfl teams are looking for or highly efficient running backs so you get players in the model that are like Adrian Peterson, who he doesn't exactly grade out all that well, even though he's one of the best running backs we've ever seen in the game, there was uh, risk involved there. He wasn't overly efficient. He had a ton of usage. I believe he, in the model, he has the most carries per game of any running back. And there currently is 400 and I believe 485 running backs in the database. And so he didn't grade out in the overall performance grade all that well. But you look at a running back like Derrick Henry, who also not used heavily in the in the receiving game, but Derrick Henry was highly efficient, much more efficient in his running and his receiving than Adrian Peterson. Plus, he has the size. He had, you know, just as much speed, if not more. I mean, just he ended up grading out a much higher than a hall of fame running back like Adrian Peterson or, or Frank Gore, who when the model just knows what's the data that's plugged into it. So all the model knew with Frank Gore is he had, he wasn't overly productive because he missed a ton of time with, with, you know, knee, knee injuries. And so that's all the model knows is he had risk he wasn't overly productive. He was, it was good when he played, but he wasn't overly efficient, like say Henry versus a guy like Peterson. But the model doesn't know that Frank Gore is a robot and he's going to play forever. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to miss on some guys, but in a situation like we were talking about just, you know, a few minutes ago with Todd Gurley, the, the, uh, overall grade for Darrell Henderson, he's in the top 10 over on the model because he was highly efficient and the model corrects for competition as well. It corrects for competition, for age, for speed, um, for injury, and for 
for uh, size. So obviously uh, a lighter back is going to, you know, see uh, a negative decrease to his overall performance grade than a heavier back, a slower back to a faster back, a thicker, a thicker pack, a, B, a thicker BMI to, uh, you know, a skinnier guy. It, it, these all have effects and the competition grade, Darrell Henderson was just so efficient. He outplayed his competition grade and it's a cumulative season grade. So it takes into account every single year the player is in college. And I, I even took into account their red shirt years, uh, suspension years, all that type of stuff, because that player is still playing or not still playing, but he's still working in that year, whether it be practice in the weight room at the facility or on his own, because obviously all these guys from history were drafted. So if they got suspended, they kept plugging away and were able to, to make it to that next level. And there is, there's no um, accurate way to assess how much wear and tear they had in that season. But what, it, because they don't accumulate any volume in that season, that doesn't actually have an overall large effect on their volume based wear and tear metric. Um, what it does though, is it can give you a starting place when you're looking to assess the risk of a player. So you, you see that these players averaged, you know, much less yards per game. This guy up here averaged 12 yards per game where this player down below averaged or yards per game, sorry, games per season. This player up here averaged 12 games per season, but this player below averaged eight games per season. Okay. Why did why did he average so few? All right, you look over and he has the uh, adjustment for um, having a red shirt ear. Well, okay, see why that why does that bring him down or an injury year or a suspension year? And what that kind of effectively does is give you an idea of their year to year reliability to stay on the field because a player doesn't red shirt from you know they don't do it because they want to generally they do it because the team says they're not ready or, you know, they, they missed out on those games because of an injury or because they got in trouble with the law. So all these things are things that can be looked at, you know, a guy who starts three straight years at a, at a power five school is going to be looked at if it, uh, a little more highly than a player who has to transfer from a Juco up to a power five, if they have the same like production in college, just because they say, okay, that guy was able to come in to a higher level and dominate from the start. This guy had to work his way up. You know, he could be a little bit older now. Maybe he um, had a year in between where he had transfer year or something like that. So it just kind of gives you a starting place when, when you look to assess the risk of a player. Uh, wow. So it, yeah. it's, it's actually very beneficial to to put those in the model in my opinion and as far as me going through researching because as i've looked through this thing i've found more things that i didn't intend than i actually intended it to be and it just it turned into so much so much good stuff so um you get to like i said you get to check out the risk and the reward for each player there's red flags and there's green flags and these are all targeting uh there's performance-based ones which target their uh, usage, their versatility, their um, game by game reliability, their 
availability, their injury risk, and then you have your off the field flags, which take into account like the off, you know, off field factors, um, age, you know, things like that that aren't directly related to things on the field. And so it gives you a really good idea. And then all these things come together to form projected draft ranges for these players. And I actually made an update recently. I was sitting pretty good at a 76, right around a 76% average accuracy, which uh, just slightly over 85% is one round difference in projection. So I was sitting at about 76 average, which is right about one in, you know, one in two thirds average difference in projection on 294 drafted running backs. And I noticed a mistake that I had made. And once I fixed that, it was causing some failures and causing some guys that didn't have a lot of usage, but were fairly productive to be graded much higher than they should have been. So I, I fixed that mistake and it kind of brought things back down. It had C, you know, like the original had CJ pro size projected extremely high and I fixed that mistake and it brought him right down to right about where he was picked. So the accuracy on the overall model after that went up to, I believe the average is 80.4% accurate right now. Wow. Okay. So I, I, that, that, yeah, that's not only is that accurate. I told you guys that there was a lot of information here. There is, there is a ton. So David, we are going to, we're going to put your model to the test here. We are going to go over some rookie running backs. Let's do and uh, we're going we're gonna to see what your model says about them. So we're going to start with Ethan, though. Ethan, Jonathan Taylor, tell me wh- what, what, what's the best fit for a player like this, it, whether it's, it's draft spot or whether it's uh, a place or a system or a type of, of, uh, of place that, that's, that's going to utilize his skill set well. Uh, tell me what the best fit is for a guy like Jonathan Taylor, the RB1 in this class, by the way. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've been a big Jonathan Taylor fan for a while. Um, I know that you're you're you've been high on him for way longer than anyone. It seems like um, Jonathan Taylor is the what I would consider a not perfect three down running back, but he is what we have seen become a workhorse running back in the league. He's he's got prototypical size. He's a size speed specimen. I mean he. I think he ran like what a four three nine in the forty at yeah. two hundred and twenty pounds. That's that's freaking crazy size size and speed combined. Um, has a lot of carries in college. I'll be curious to see what David says about how that impacts his future uh, outlook. Because obviously, I mean, listening to David talk about his model, having seen the thing myself, uh, it's super impressive. Just the amount of work that he's put into this model, and so I'm curious how a guy like Jonathan Taylor uh, will will grade out. But we'll we'll get to that. Um, to me, I think Jonathan Taylor is the the most obvious uh, next big running back for um, the NFL. You know, he he's he's basically some. I, I I've said he's somewhere in between Nick Chubb, um, he's a, and and Leonard Fournette. I think he's a little bit more fluid as a pass catcher, a little bit um, 
you know, uh, more more reliable as a pass catcher than Nick Chubb, but I think Nick Chubb's a better pure runner. Um, so I think he's somewhere in between those two dudes, which is still a very, very good running back. Uh, to me, the best fit, and this one was hard because I'm trying to balance best fit or versus a realistic landing spot. And so um, for me, I don't know if this is necessarily a realistic landing spot because I do think he's going to go probably in the first round. But I actually really like the fit in uh, in L.A. with the Rams. I mean, they've lost Todd Gurley now, and I, I see Jonathan Taylor as a very similar type of prospect skill set wise. Um as a, a, a Todd Gurley when he was when he was younger and coming out of college. So um, I think that would be his best fit. I don't think it's the most realistic fit, um, but I do think that would be his best fit for this skill set. Yeah, I like that. And I like the comp. Todd Gurley without the knee injury or without the injury history really is uh, would be. Todd Gurley had knee injury, had knee history. Uh, he tore his ACL. And so, yeah. um, you know, obviously there's. Jonathan Taylor got way more carries. I, I compare him more to a Nick Chubb minus the committee. If Nick Chubb had gone to a college that wasn't uh, predicated on using a running back committee, um, had he not gone to school with a guy like Sony Michelle, I think that uh, Nick Chubb would have been used in a similar way as Jonathan Taylor. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like the fit there with the Rams. Uh, so, David, let me know. Tell our listeners. All right, the running back one, he's my RB1. He's Ethan's RB1 in this running back class, too. Don't let it sound. Tell me your model says that this guy is going to be good. David, what does the model, your model, tell us about Jonathan Taylor? So, let me give you a range of some players. I mean, would you be happy if uh, he ended up being the type of NFL player, say, Saquon Barkley or yes. Ezekiel Elliott or, also, yes. you know, not the same type of player, but as productive as, say, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, sure. Melvin Keep Gordon, talking. Dalvin Cook. Mm. Uh, I You know, just, just some guys, David. just some guys like that. I mean, you know. It's uh, we'll take it. It's I love this model already. Jonathan Taylor comes out number one overall. Oh, yeah, in the entire model. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he's he is one of the best running press running back prospects to come out of college. And yes, there is some wear and tear concern. He does have a lot of carries, but he actually, uh, because the model because of how the volume base wear and tear works in the model, he has the lowest volume base wear and tear of any running back over 880 touches. So he is heavily used, but he has a similar volume base wear and tear to a player like carry on Johnson, who he was far, far more, you know, far more used than, but again, the way that everything is configured, Johnson had, you know, more receiving percentage of his type or more work of his percentage was receiving work, which still has an effect similar to low volume games. So the, the games are broken down into, you know, high, mid, high, mid, low and low. And the receiving work has a similar effect to the mid, low and low volume games. And just 
because of the formula, he he ends up showing a lot better than that workload would entail. And he, you know, he's he's not, you know, he hasn't been in college for for five years or anything like that to develop that kind of, you know, that kind of workload, which a lot of the guys that are up in that range played more than three years in college. And that's that's where he's at. He's still young. He's extremely fast for that size, like you said, Ethan, just a big size speed freak. And he he grades out, you know, he has a ton of upside is the uh again as i mentioned the the upside um the risk assessing the risk has the green flags and the red flags and jonathan taylor is right near right near the top of that that ranking he has very minimal minimal risk you know slight injury slight workload but overall one of the best prospects we have seen and I mean, you just, you can't really argue the names. You know, I, I don't put any of my bias. I actually have not, when I was making this model, I didn't go in and watch any film on these guys because I never wanted to look at a name on the column on the left and say, that doesn't belong. I wanted it to be completely unbiased and just strictly about the data. And I mean, it just, it just happens that he comes out, like I said, the, I mean, the list is, you know, even the guys that didn't succeed in the NFL were amazing in college. It's it's Reggie Bush, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson. Also a couple other guys we might talk about here in a little bit. But Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Darrell Henderson, who we mentioned earlier, Marshawn Lynch, Royce Freeman, Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, Jamal Charles, Rashad Penny, Leonard Fournette, Deonta Foreman. I mean, Mark Ingram. Just all these guys, Melvin Gordon, just Maurice Jones-Drew, Nick Chubb. Just, I mean, he's above every one of those guys in the model. So I am extremely excited. He's my locked-in RB1 without a doubt because, as we'll talk about in a minute, even though there's some guys also ranked highly on that list, he is by far, I mean, it, he blows Bush, Barkley, and Elliott in the, in the overall prospect grade overall prospect score, excuse me, out of the water. And they're the only four with over 100. And he, he's, you know, has a score 20, nearly 20 higher than Reggie Bush. So. Ooh, man, I already love this model, David. It's, it's going to be exciting to, uh, to watch him next year. And just ultimately I, I'm going to have to wait on, you know, a year before I really see the actual live results of this thing. But I have a lot of confidence in it, and I and I think the sooner people get on board and and check it out and just give it a chance, the uh, the the less behind the eight ball they're going to be when it comes to next year, because this thing is full of 2021, 2022, 2023 prospects, and it's awesome. only going to get only going to get more more loaded up. So, well, I, I it's already made a believer out of me. Um, and we could stop right now, and I'd be happy. However, I think the listeners want a few more names, so I guess we'll give it to them, and we'll 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 continue testing out your uh, your model here. But Ethan, we're gonna go back to you, DeAndre Swift. This is my RB two, and and it's pretty close with Jonathan Taylor for me. I I I've been very high on Jonathan Taylor, but that being said, I think DeAndre Swift can be a fantastic running back in the league. So. Getting to DeAndre Swift, what do you see in his skill set and what type of fit do you think would be a good fit for him? And if you have a team, that would be awesome too. 
I mean, I think if David Johnson or sorry, David Johnson, man, I'm obviously been talking too much about David Johnson this week. I think if Jonathan Taylor uh, is, is thunder, uh, Deandre Swift is definitely the lightning there. Um, a very, uh, not used nearly as much, obviously uh, almost all Georgia running backs. That's one of the appeals I've learned that they pitch to these five-star prospects that they will keep their legs fresh for the NFL. And so they, they, but that's how they bring in like four of them all at the same time. DeAndre Swift was good enough to take carries from Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle as a true freshman. Um, DeAndre Swift is a very good running back. You know, he's got a three down skill set. Obviously, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield is something that we, we are finding more and more. NFL teams are coveting, uh, fantasy players obviously are covering, are coveting that just because. We're moving to PPR. Um, that's pretty much the standard now. And so uh, a guy like DeAndre Swift definitely on paper looks to be someone that you definitely want to have on your fantasy team. Um, he's good in space. Obviously, the 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 pass catching ability is going to be the thing that catches the most people's eyes. But he's not he, he's definitely more than just a pass catcher. And so to me, I look at teams around the league. Um, I think. For Swift, at least, uh, one team that I think could really benefit from him is actually Atlanta. Um, I think the uh, I think the Falcons could use a guy like Swift. Um, they they need more offensive weapons. You know, he, he reminds me a little bit of Devonta Freeman, so um, I think they could see some similarities there. Uh, obviously, Swift a much much fresher legs and and uh, uh, would be a perfectly fine replacement. Um, for the Falcons. And so um, I think that's probably his best fit because he will be able to be used as a three down back. Um, and and we know that they will use their running backs uh, in the past game too. So um, I would say Swift's best landing spot is Atlanta. I love it. And I'm sure Falcons fans are probably standing up and cheering you on at this point, getting a Georgia running back ranked so highly to go to Atlanta. I think they would, uh, I think most of them would be fans of that. David, can you do me a favor? Can you give me a brief overview on what your model says for DeAndre Swift? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, uh, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about two guys who also rank fairly highly. And that is DeAndre Swift is one of those guys. He, he came out when uh, all was said and done, is another guy that's in the top 10 from this class. This class could be, you know, could be pretty, pretty epic uh, if, if all works out, you know, in these guys' favor. Um, Swift has, you know, he's a guy who's much, you know, less used than a guy like Taylor. But, I mean, he's highly, highly productive, which, which helps grade him uh, very high up there, you know, up in that, up in that uh, upper echelon range. And he, you know, as far as this class goes, he has the third, you know, behind Taylor and JK Dobbins, the, the third most green flag count, which is their upside. He is unfortunately, uh, well, no, fortunately, I guess I should say until, until I went in and this was actually what led me to making that update. I had, thought DeAndre Swift was one of eight running backs, I believe it was off the top of my head, that had zero red flags in the model. And uh, Ethan, 
Ethan quickly corrected that for me on Twitter, which I am one to do this. Ask which, James. No, it <laughs> was it was great that you did it because it made me go back in and I went in back and double checked all of these guys as best I could through Roto World like you had originally suggested to me. And I just got tired of doing it. But I went back and double checked all these guys and he does have a little injury, but he is one of the least risky prospects in the in the class and obviously in the model overall because he was right there on that fringe of the zero red flag players but again he comes out graded in that range very highly with guys who are you know just complete studs in today's game and it's just you know it's it's very very good for his outlook, and I, I definitely would love that landing spot that you talked about, Ethan. I think he would perform a, or a, provide a smooth transition from, a, you know, a possibly better player, but similar kind of style and everything. He can, he can be effective inside, outside, and in the passing game. And you know, while Freeman was healthy, we saw that that was something he he brought to the table as well, but. You know, Swift comes with a little more size. He uh, he grades out, like I said, very very highly in the model. Um, outside in the class, he's number three overall, and like I said, inside the top ten in the last you know sixteen years of of draft picks. And just so you guys kind of know, it's the you can kind of really see the trend as far as the grades and the production and everything kind of go as the model is concerned, because it is so focused on that, that modern day versatility and that very efficient running back. It's why you don't see a lot of older players graded very high because it was just, it was a different game back then. And that's why I had to stop at 2005 because the farther I went back, the, just the, the more warped it looked. And, you know, I would have ended up probably coming out with Emmett Smith being graded near the bottom. And as a Cowboys fan, I cannot handle that. I would not <laughs> be able to handle that. So, but just um, because it favors that you really only see like a guy like Reggie Bush from that era grading out super high. So, what it shows you, you know, that he's really in that range of all those studs that just dominate the game today. And yet he comes with, you know, much less risk than a player coming out of college like Cook or Gordon or, or, or Gurley, who I, I've put in a, a way you can kind of assess that the players who kind of have a little, a little more risk than, than um, possibly reward. But you also have to look at that it hasn't affected what it does is it tells you that basically their their performance on the field when they played was absolutely elite. But because I count injury as an off field per, uh, red flag, because not all injuries happen on the actual playing field. You know, they happen in the practice field or or not even playing football at all, as we saw, you know, Dalvin Cook fell down the stairs and broke his shoulder. Yeah, so, yeah, guys, I mean, that's not seen, a, yeah, that's not a guys performance. guys in the past try to save pizzas, you know, in the past. And you're yeah. Scared, so, yeah. Um, no, that's, that's that, and, and I think it also goes to show, David, that uh, this, what's really cool to me is it shows that 
you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it shows that our, our thought process, at least a lot of the people who, who look forward to these types of classes, um, were really high in the running backs this year. And it, it, it sounds like your model is, is bearing out that this is a historically good or could be a historically good running back class. Am I right? Yes, yes. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's going to miss from time to time. Last year, if you look at the model, it's the, and you look at the projected draft range and how they had, these backs actually went, it didn't actually finish all that well. But you can the nice thing about this is you can you can look at the guys it missed on, like I was talking about Peterson. You you just scroll back through his profiles, and you can see what actually brought his grade down. You look and you're okay, not overly efficient, heavily used. He may have been very productive. But those things brought that kind of stuff down and kind of made him grade out sort of like a compiler. Uh Whereas a guy like, you know, Barkley, who just, I mean, a lead on all fronts, he he grades out as far as history, the number two overall running back in the model. So just when you, when I, I don't ever want people to think that I tried to make this thing say what it says i never i there's no me trying to create a narrative in this it's just me entering data and i created some formulas that when i tested their stickiness they were pretty dang sticky so i i kept progressing with them but like i said i I never looked to the left and saw a name and said oh i need to change this because that shouldn't be and then when i i clicked you know sort at the end, it just came out with all these guys who, who, who we, you know, are just in love with as NFL players graded out towards the top or guys that were expected to be very highly graded NFL players graded out towards the top. But it kind of, you know, like back to last year, a lot of the guys that were going in the top had some things that you look back on their profile that brought them down so you you can look at that like a miles sanders who wasn't highly productive well we know why he sat behind saquon barkley uh you look at a josh jacobs he he doesn't come out very high well he split his workload every year at college so it you can look back and kind of see why but then you look over at their upside and you're like oh miles sanders may not grade out highly in the model but he has pretty dang high upside in his risk, you know, his risk assessment. So it just, it gives you many views of how to, how to look at these players. So you, again, it may miss on some things, but it's got Swift right there near the top. And, you know, if anybody thinks that he has the same kind of situation as Josh Jacobs had coming out, splitting his workload and stuff like that, DeAndre Swift grades out way beyond what Josh Jacobs did in the model. Yeah, and, and I love the fact that the information is giving you the model. You know, the, the, you entered the, the, the statistical information and boom, this is what happened. It wasn't, hey, I, I looked this over and, and decided that it needed to be tweaked because the names I didn't like, you know, were up top. So I, I, I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. But David, we, we're going to move on. We are running late here. Uh, we're, we're running I'm long. sorry, guys. I no, no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's all of us. We're, we're all... Uh, 
and we want to get the information to the listeners. So, so you know, it's, it's important that we do this. But um, these next three guys I do want to hit on, but hopefully we can go through them pretty quickly. Uh, the one guy that I'm really interested in um, for both of your takes is J.K. Dobbins. Um, this is a guy who seemed to have one year of really elite production. Um, Ethan, what do you think he shows on tape, and where do you think would be his best fit? Dobbins is a unique case because on tape, you know, there's definitely ways that you can talk yourself into him. Um, you know, he's he's not elite, I would say, at any one thing, but he seems to be very, very good at pretty much everything. Um, he showed some three down potential. I mean, he can he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, athleticism is definitely a question mark, um, as is just. I always put a little bit of a – you have to downplay these guys slightly when they play in offenses that are as good as what they had um, at Ohio State. I mean, he's surrounded by elite prospects on the O-line, elite wide receivers, you know, elite quarterback play. I mean, he he has everything that you need to succeed. And so um, I, I, I always worry about when I see these guys opt not to test – um, at the combine, because I always I'm I'm wondering why that is. Is it because you know, for Dobbins, he said that he had an he was he's still recovering from an ankle sprain. Okay, well he returned in the game that he had the ankle sprain in. So while it clearly affected him, I won't I don't think we can give him a pass. It's been two months. There's no reason why, unless he had surgery on that ankle. There's no reason why he shouldn't um, he shouldn't have been able to run. Um, you know, he could say that he spent four weeks, even regardless, he should have been close to a hundred percent. Um, and now of course, with no pro days, this is really just kind of ruined, um, any kind of, I'll be curious because David, I don't know how this affects your model when you don't have that athleticism stuff. Um, but you know, Dobbins is, he's a question mark for me. You know, he reminds me a lot of a guy, uh, like Rashad Penny, where I feel like he's easy to talk yourself into, but you question, um, you know, one, his production in the offense that he was in, and two, you know, how is he going to fit into an offense at the NFL level? And so um, I put his best fit being Tampa Bay just because I think they're looking for a guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, they want someone that's that's good at everything, um, that can kind of do it all. You throw him out there and you let him go. And so um, I think Tampa makes a lot of sense for Dobbins. But again, I'm I'll curious. I'm really curious to see how his athleticism um, translates to the NFL level when he's not surrounded by. Um, well, he'll still be surrounded by elite talent, but he'll be also going up against elite talent um, on the defensive side. And how he, you know, does he have the athleticism to get away from some of these linebackers that we're seeing are getting faster and faster every year? Yeah. Ethan, you just want to replace Ronald Jones to spite me, don't you? It's just going if, to – if they don't sign the free agent that you want them to, they're going to draft a, a, a guy. I, goodness, man, you're killing me here. All right. Well, here's the thing. Here's the problem is I, there's really not a whole lot of spots left for these running backs. And you know, so, I was noticing that too. And you, I, know, I, you know, with free agency, with you know guys returning, there's just not a lot of – prime landing spots and so someone is probably going to get left out you know Dobbins could be a guy that you know, finds himself if he falls in the draft he could be sitting behind a Christian McCaffrey and then of course you know as 
his his upside is completely capped. We saw it last year uh, with Daryl Henderson. We saw it with Justice Hill. Um, when a guy gets drafted, even if you like him as a prospect, if he gets drafted behind a guy that's a, a established veteran that has proven to be productive, you're really taking a risk by drafting that guy in the first round of your rookie drafts just because you don't know when you're going to see the production. Now, obviously, with Daryl Henderson, maybe that's this year, but maybe it's not. And so, um, you know, I worry that, Dobbins uh, hurt his draft stock with all these other guys testing so well. Um, you know, he he's going to let his it does his draft stock slide to a point where, you know, maybe a team like Carolina at the beginning of the third round, they've got a few picks there. Maybe they say, you know what, let's grab Dobbins. We'll have a, you know, we'll a solid backup for Christian McCaffrey. Maybe he takes a little bit of the work off. Um, and then we lose what could be, you know, another elite running back in in the draft. And so, um, you know, that's that's my biggest concern with a guy like Dobbins. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. So, guys, we're already over time, so we're going to do rapid fire here. David, real quick, tell me uh, what uh, what Dobbins shows in your uh, in your uh, your model here. Number two in the class. Number two in the class. Look at that. Damn. And that's, that's why that you is, can't trust models. No, no, I'm just that, kidding. I'm just but kidding. that it's it's really interesting that you you I like how you said you know how you described him. He's a player that he might not be the greatest at one individual thing, but he does everything well because another player that 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 I had that exact same assessment of last year and I had him for a long time ranked as my number one was Damian Harris. I, I thought he was not spectacular at one individual thing, but he did everything very, very well. And he actually ended up grading out in the model very high as well. And, it, you know, if Sony's injury keeps keeps happening or keeps affecting him, we could, you know, finally see Harris get a chance on the field. So, but, um, but yeah, I, I like how you said that. And he grades out, like you said, athleticism, if a if a running back does not have an official time, what what I do is I there's a formula for average male athleticism, and I take that and I take the average times for drafted running backs, and then I take the percentage adjustment that the, it is faster than the average male athleticism, and then it's plugged in with their with their size and everything. And it so basically right now. So David is using your, so what you're saying is you're using math to basically create uh, athleticism measurements for a guy like Dobbins who doesn't test based on his. Uh, well, and, and just, just so you know, it actually works pretty well. Since oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> questioning it. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Oh, no, so yes. Nobody else. I don't hear anybody else saying, well, normally it's, well, we don't have this stuff, so we just won't, we just can't use it. And we don't see, have the info. That just wouldn't work because it, it needs that time, even if it is an estimated time. And it, it actually, like I said, it works pretty well. You know, a lot of people thought Eno Benjamin ran faster than he should have. And the model actually projected him slightly quicker than he actually ran. So he dropped slightly in the model. So it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I recently saw a uh, tweet from Curtis Patrick that said, um, you know, showed a picture of Dobbins speed. And from what, you know, what we can tell he, he's supposed to be able to run a four, three, two, so I went in and I plugged that in and I mean, like I said, he was, he was projected high slow. So all that did was just increase the increase his overall grade. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Right, I know guys. that he did have good testing and 
high school. So, um, you know, that makes sense that, you know, you got to use what you got. So I like that you're, you're still finding a way to get some type of measurement on there. Yeah, doing my best here. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. I've never heard anything like that either. So, um, guys, uh, I'm not going to go into the definition of quick fire, Ethan, um, but we're going to go quick fire. Here. <laughs> let's just do them both. So, Why don't we do them both at the same time? Let's, let's do it. Cam Akers, your, your best fit. Best fit, Kansas City. All right. They, Clyde like, Edwards they like explosive guys, and the Cam Akers is explosive. I like that. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, best fit. Be- best fit, Seattle. Uh, they need a guy that can both complement Chris Carson and also replace both him and Penny. So I like the idea of Edwards Hilaire. Uh, not the greatest athlete on the planet, but very good pass catcher um, going in there and, and working. I don't think Penny comes back. Uh, this year and if he does I don't think he's going to be as effective but given the nature of his injury so um, I like Edwards Hilaire as a third running back in that offense that could eventually replace both of them good stuff I love the injury uh, sneaking in some injury uh, stuff for us to to help us out and I love Edwards Hilaire that would be like a dream landing spot for me to see him there so David real quick we're gonna go for you Uh, Cam Akers how does he uh, finish fit in your model Uh, just you know Real quick, because we know he ran behind a terrible offensive line. One of the real nice things with uh, implementing the speed into their overall performance grade, which is it's called their physical toll grade, is if they were not efficient in college, which he wasn't, we know we we kind of know why because he played behind that terrible offensive line. If he runs fast, what that does is helps to correct for the inefficiency. So it helped him grade out. He, he originally had that, you know, the estimated time. As soon as I plugged in that official time, he bumped right up the model into the top six. So. Ooh, okay. Okay. I won't hold that know. against the model. Um. <laughs> well, he, he, uh, like I said, you, you can see a player that grades out a little lower. You may think more of him. Scroll over. He has the, I believe, the I don't know, third highest upside in the class or something like that, or the fourth highest upside in the class. So you take, you know, you look at the performance, assess the situation, look at the upside, make your determination. That's really cool that it has all that. For the for the record, I'm the opposite on Acres. I think um, he's probably a little lower for me. But let's go to Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the last player. David, tell me how he fits into your model. Uh, he, you know, he's Clyde Edwards Lair. He, he, I mean, that he was definitely graded out a lot higher before that, you know, speed. And I understand a lot of people saying that, you know, when they watch him on film, that's how fast he looks. But you, you still want your guy to be fast because the competition only gets better and faster. So would have liked to see did did all the pro days get completely canceled or are they just on hold do you guys can you guys I guarantee me? they're canceled they're canceled, canceled. so they're not gonna happen definitely would have liked to see him run again because what i would have done i i because i use combine numbers for all the drafted running backs um i like to stick to the combine but what i what I will do is if a player in their pro day runs significantly faster, I'll average it out. So I would have liked to see him run again. He, he doesn't exactly grade out spectacularly, but he's still that performance in college, the upside with him being on, you know, being on the national champion and everything like that. 
um, the upside is still there, the pedigree. And so he, he still grades out decently well, just not as well as he would have had he ran faster. Okay, perfect. I love it. So, all right, guys, before we go, um, David, I, I want you to, first off to thank you again for coming on, dropping all this knowledge, but also please let our listeners know where they can find this model or when they can find this model. And I believe you have an article dropping with this uh, pretty, pretty soon here, don't you? Yeah, I, I originally had an article written for uh, for the model before the update, and I, I had closed that down because I, I need to completely rewrite it and just I just do a better job kind of laying this thing out for in an easy, understandable way for everybody because I, I kind of didn't do that very well originally, which, you know, I, I'm new to making things like this. So, but uh, I'll get that rewritten with real good definitions. I, I got my... Uh, my my guy Mark Mathic from Player Profiler making um, graphic cards that outline the different individual unique unique metrics and the thought process and functions of them and and everything like that. So it'll it'll be really easily understandable. And then just the update made to make it more clean and easily navigate navigated that uh, I put out actually right before we went on to record. So you can go on Twitter at Wilsonator. And that is my pinned tweet right now. And just go in and uh, make yourself a copy of it. Well, so that's available to anybody on Twitter. This is why you follow David at Wilsonator um, on, on Twitter. That you, you got to follow this guy. I mean, this guy is going to uh, to continue to provide this content. He is killing it. Um, so, so that's. I mean, do it now. <laughs> Go to at Wilsonator, W I L L S O N eight T O R on Twitter. Make sure that you're following David. Uh, David's also always, uh, you know, dropping some good content over on DLF as well at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And uh, also, make sure that you're following my man, Ethan, Ethan Turner. Uh, the good doctor is what I like to call him. Um, I think I've called him the good doctor pretty much every episode that we've recorded on. Um, so I'm sure he's sick of hearing it. But uh, you can follow Ethan at EturnerFF underscore PT. Make sure you're following him on Twitter as well. Um, and, yeah, so we want to give a special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for the use of the song The Addiction for our intro and outro music. A special thank you to DynastyWeekFootball.com and the Dynasty Week Football family of podcasts and the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Make sure that you are following the uh, show account at Superflex Show and send us any questions, trade polls on Twitter. Um, again, at Superflex Show, we can uh, make sure to retweet those. Uh, we can also make sure to, uh, uh, to to get you more votes and to um, and. Hey, Sometimes we bring those trades on the show to analyze them as well. Um, Make sure that you're following all of us. And above all else, stay sexy and super flexy.